the Todd Stansbury Podcast from RamblinWreck.com. This is the official podcast of Georgia Tech Athletic Director Todd Stansbury as he gives you an inside look at what's happening around Yellow Jacket Athletics. Now, alongside Tech Athletic Director Todd Stansbury, here's the voice of the Yellow Jackets, Andy Demetra. And welcome back. We got a brand new season uh, here at Georgia Tech. And with that, a brand new Toddcast to send you into game week. Hope everybody is doing great. I'm Andy Dementor. He's athletic director Todd Stansbury. But just another quiet, nondescript month in the life of a college athletic director. Hey, Todd. <laughs> Never a dull moment. Oh, the Toddcast was scheduled at an apt time. And I know a lot of the folks listening will want to know your thoughts on the recent news regarding the alliance with the ACC, Pac-12, and Big Ten, and how that may influence and impact Georgia Tech. From your standpoint as the AD, we will certainly get into that. But this being the kickoff to the 2021-2022 academic and athletic year, we've got a lot of ground to cover. Look forward to doing it all with you. If you ever have a question for a future edition of the Toddcast, you make sure you like, you listen, you subscribe. And in the meantime, you can sit back uh, and enjoy. So uh, here we are uh, at the doorstep of another season trying to, to follow up what pandemic and all was a really spectacular season across the board for Georgia Tech Athletics. If the people did not know or did not hear it earlier in the summer, 44th in the uh, Director's Cup, third highest finish ever in Georgia Tech history. When you got that final tally, you had to be awfully proud. Yeah, I mean, the you know, when I first got here, one of the kind of the my main one of my first priorities was uh, success across across the board. That for us to be relevant nationally, our our sports had to compete for championships. They had to be in postseason play, and of course, you know, three years ago, I think we were 121st. Uh, in the Directors Cup in the country, and um, so for us to finish uh, at 44 this year and uh, being essentially one of two schools with uh, 17 uh, that field 17 sports, um, where there were only two in the top uh, 50, and we were at 44, and Texas Tech was 43. So really, really proud of um, of our student athletes and coaches that. Uh, Turned a year that was obviously uh, had a lot of hurdles, a lot of challenges, uh, a lot of crazy associated with it, and they just they just won. To what do you attribute that? I think focus. I think the our coaches did a remarkable job in just keeping our student athletes uh, focused on uh, being ready, uh, not knowing. I mean, w- this time last year, we did really not, we, we didn't know whether we were actually going to play a game or not. And so our, 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 our kind of mantra, um, going into the year was that our student athletes had to be, uh, patient. They had to be ready to pivot and they had to prepare, uh, despite the fact that we had no idea what their, our seasons were going to look like. And I think that, that they definitely delivered. And those coaches also, they had to you know, talk about to building up the mindset of their student-athletes that they can't let their athletes get down when they have matches or games canceled, that with all of the uncertainty and psychological wear and tear that, that trying to play a sport under COVID presents, that they had to keep their team's spirits up. I, I imagine that also went a lot into the success of, of the teams across the board. Yeah, and I think that um... – 
you know, our student athletes responded, but just the uh, intentionality that our coaches had to have each and every single day to keep our student athletes focused on uh, one, uh, staying safe, uh, wearing masks, social distancing, all the accommodations we had to make in preseason. Uh, for uh, basically strength and conditioning and then going into practices and how do we do that and of course we were creating the roadmap as we were on the road and and so a lot of the things that we did um, we were doing in real time the decisions we were making in real time um, and I think that uh, the coaches just um, uh, did a remarkable job in first they stayed focused day-to-day uh kept our student athletes focused you know day-to-day hour-to-hour practice to practice had to be very very intentional in everything we did and then when I mean you were you were there for some of the you know some of those um games where we did you know a four o'clock start didn't know until (laughs) noon whether we were going to play or not because we weren't sure we were going to have enough players um one play uh, at one point we were getting ready to run onto the field only to be given the the stop sign wait we might have a problem and so just the stopping and starting and pivoting and and all the things that went into it is just remarkable um how we ended up doing last year and the recognitions continue to roll in most recently from the Atlanta Sports Award. Nell Fordner took home Most Outstanding Coach from the Atlanta Sports Award, College or Pro, and then Moses Wright, Most Outstanding College Athlete. So great to see uh, Coach Nell and Moses recognized for their achievements. Also, in academics and community service, Tech fans may not be aware of this, but Georgia Tech took home two very prestigious awards in this business for their contributions in community service and also their performance in, in, in academics. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what makes uh, last year such a remarkable year. So we had um, success, uh, obviously, in our sports, athletically, um, uh, and then uh, our academic support program uh, gets recognized nationally with um, – their National Association's um, uh, Model Program Award, uh, which uh, recognized Jumpstart Jackets, which is our um, our uh, program that helps transition our signees, our our our, our freshmen, um, to uh, over the summer to get ready uh, for Georgia Tech, uh, and so we were recognized nationally uh, with that award, and then. Uh, just recently, in the last couple of weeks, NACTA, which is our national association, uh, recognized uh, Georgia Tech Athletics for uh, community service. So, um, pretty amazing. Uh, a lot of national recognitions. Of course, you know, Nell Fortner just being recognized again as um, as the most out- outstanding uh, coach. Uh, by the Atlanta Sports Awards, and that's either college or pro, and then Moses Wright, uh, most outstanding college athlete. So, um, you know, the the accolades keep rolling in, and uh, I think it's just a tribute to, um, you know, the 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 breadth of success that we had to our coaches and our student athletes. Quick aside. It's so nice to be back inside the edge where there's a <laughs> more hum of activity than at this time last year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, last year uh, you could have shot a cannon off and you wouldn't have hit anybody. And so just the 
the buzz, no pun intended, um, around our facilities with our student athletes all here, our coaches, our support staff. Um, uh, it, uh, it's feeling a lot like fall is here. Finally is. Do, do you feel, by the way, uh, across an athletic department that Georgia Tech is in a good place with respect to the vaccination rates of its coaches, its staff, its student athletes as we get ready for, uh, for another calendar year of sports? Yeah, we're in good shape. Um, this really uh, puts us in a position where uh, we know that uh, our teams are going to be um, ready to play, good to play, and, and, um, and so we feel really good about where we are uh, vaccination-wise. Very well. I know that was a popular topic of conversation, not just here, but across athletic departments nationwide. Um, the athletic, the academic, the, the social accomplishments that we witnessed from Georgia Tech this past year, all of that could not have been done without the support from Georgia Tech fans, specifically those AT fund donors. We knew that fundraising was such an area of uncertainty amid the pandemic here and everywhere else, but uh, AT fund really rolled up its sleeves and did some yeoman's work this past season. Give us the update on what they were able to accomplish this past year. Yeah, I, it's, there's no way we can be successful without without our uh, our donor support and so obviously going into last year not knowing what our seasons were going to look like obviously not playing not being able to open up to full capacity in um in football and our basketballs and and baseball and um all of our revenue producing sports so there was a lot of uncertainty but through support the swarm um and how our our donors um, really uh, continue to support us, whether they were coming to any games, whether there were any games or not. And then just um, what AT was able to do, um, bringing, in, bringing in over $48 million, uh, last year, which, which ends up being, I think, the third highest fundraising year that we've had in Georgia Tech history, um, only behind uh, 2019 and 2020 so in the last three years we've we've basically had the three best fundraising years um in the history of georgia tech athletics of course you know we can't stop we got to keep going and we got to keep the pedal to the metal and um and so that uh our our um our our, our donor support continues to be um really the number one priority um for us and at has just done a phenomenal job in um in continuing to tell our story and our donors and our alumni base and the people that support us um continue to do that at record levels the big drum beat last year was support the swarm and you had 3200 donors step up and contribute to support the swarm to the tune of 2.9 million dollars can you give us a tangible sense of how those donations from Support the Swarm helped you and the athletic department overcome so many of the challenges presented by COVID-19. Yeah, well, this time last year, we had no idea what our revenue streams were going to look like. Um, and so um, we, we were looking at potentially a, a deficit of anywhere between 20 and $25 million dollars. Um, support the swarm uh, was a you know a significant part of of helping us chip away with uh, uh, um, at that um, potential deficit, uh, and then just you know, you know as um, and, and we ended up cutting budgets and and furloughing staff, but at the end of the day, we were able to close close that gap 
through our just um, cost cutting uh, as well as donor support um, and, uh, and and through that we we got through a very very tough year uh, ultimately um, balancing that budget not and not putting us in uh, in a very precarious situation now of course um, we got to build off that and this has got to be a big year for us just because um, you know we've we've um, literally been almost through two years now of COVID related issues and so uh, they're definitely um, while we ended up the year in great shape through a combination of things um, we've still got a lot of work to do. Hey, add 2020, uh, now that we're getting ready to start the 2021 football season, give us the update uh, where we landed on AI 2020. I know you surpassed your, your $125 million goal, but what are the next steps uh, in AI 2020? Well, you know, AI 2020 really encompassed a lot of um, capital projects that some of which um, have been started and completed um, over the last uh Two, two years, I guess three years, starting with the football locker room, I guess, because now we're in what year two or three of the football locker room. Some people forget that that actually was part of AI 2020 in the first capital project that, that um, we did. But in addition to um, that, the women's basketball locker room, the, the phase two of, um, of uh, for, for our, our baseball stadium, uh, a uh, new field in in Bobby Dodd. Uh, of course, the the big the, the big project associated with AI twenty twenty is um, is uh, the 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 Edge Rice project, and um, and so right now we're in the process of uh, you know uh, kind of what does Edge Rice need to be? So we've just gone through um, kind of. Um, updating that concept because the original concept was done actually prior to me getting here and so um it was and so what we really needed to do is um uh that which we've just gone through and so that whole um project will actually end up becoming a, a student athlete development centered um uh building which is uh, going to be an athletic performance center that anything that touches a student athlete um, and 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 helps them develop into a better student athlete, um, whether it's strength and conditioning, sports medicine, nutrition, uh, the total person program, academics. Well, that building will house all of those activities, and the focus will be building a better student athlete. So the blueprint and the the vision for. Uh the Edge Rice building from the beginning of AI 2020 to where we sit now, it has evolved. It has changed a little bit. Yes, it, it's changed a lot. As of course, um, the original Edge was was built mainly to be um, an administration building. In fact, it held it it um, it housed all of our administration, all of our activities, um, starting in 1981. Well, a lot has changed since 1981, and so as we re um, as we uh, really uh, as we re-evaluated uh, what what that building needed to be, it really went from um, you know its original intent, which was administration, to performance focused, student athlete focused. So yeah, it really has evolved into 
um, a student-athlete focused, build a better student-athlete, anything that can help our young, young people um, uh, be better students, be better people, be better athletes, and ultimately put us in a position to win uh, is what that building's going to be focused on. Are you still in the conceptual stages from the original renderings to the renderings that you want now? Is that, so, is that process ongoing? Yeah, so the, the concept uh, process is really to figure out how much space all those activities need and then how do you stack that in a building? How do we get all of that in, into um, a, uh, the square footage of, of the building that we um, uh, plan to build? And so the next step is really putting together the financial plan on, on uh, knowing that the donations that were raised through AI 2020 or the, or the commitments that were made, um, that comes in over time. But obviously, you got to pay for building it as you're building it. And so we're in the process of now of um, putting together the financial plan on how we do that. Um, and and take the concept and the um, and the uh, the financial plan, uh, so uh, and get that package so that it can get, get approved by our administration, um, and then ultimately be approved by USG. So that's kind of the process, and then we will go into design as to what is this building actually go- where what goes where and uh, what's it going to look like and all those kinds of things. So that'll be the next stage um, of the project once we get it approved. You still want it to look like Google, though, right? Oh, it's going to look like Google. It, well, it'll look more like Google than, um, than your typical uh, athletics <laughs> building. And, of course, the reason we feel that's so important is because we're Georgia Tech. And as I've said before, we want our recruits, when they come to Georgia Tech, to realize this is a different place and that as they're evaluating their options, we want it to be not an apples to apples, but an apples to oranges decision. And so um, we definitely uh, want to make sure that when you visit Georgia Tech, you know you're at Georgia Tech. Well, you said not much, a lot has changed since 1981 when the Edge Rice building opened, but I mean... You're still here. You were there in '81. You're still here now. Well, so. I definitely have changed too. Like, you know, <laughs> it, uh, yeah, I was a sophomore when the edge uh, when the edge opened. So oh, um, the circle of I life. I have definitely as it seen a lot of uh, a lot of changes. So, Tom, what are the, the the needs for fiscal year 22? You know, the 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 main thing is that uh, with all the things that are going on in intercollegiate athletics right now, whether it's NIL or um, our ability to uh, uh, invest more in our, our student-athletes' educational experiences. Um, all of that costs money. Um, the total person program uh, continues to be uh, a central focus of our brand, of what we do with our student-athletes. Well, that now also includes um, uh, uh, programming specifically geared towards um, making sure our student athletes are prepared uh, for NIL, that they can take advantage of um, name, image, and likeness, and that we're doing all we can um, to get them uh, in a position uh, to take advantage of those opportunities. All costs money. So we got to keep the, the, our, our foot on the gas. 
Um, and then the other thing is is that uh, educational expenses uh, continue to rise, and it's going to be important that we're able to meet those challenges. So I know as we go into or getting ready to go into um, uh, the next uh, capital campaign, a real focus on uh, getting scholarships endowed, uh, making sure that we get programs endowed uh, so that we uh, set uh, Georgia Tech athletics up in perpetuity and, um, and also um, make sure that our student athletes have everything that they need to compete at the, at the level that we're asking them to compete at. Uh, we'll, we'll get to football in just a moment, but you touched on NIL, and I'm curious for your thoughts now that we're two months into the NIL era uh, and how you see it's played out so far. Well, I think, um, you know, there's definitely been a lot of noise. Um, and, uh, you know, as things start to s- settle down and, the, um, and, and some of the smoke clears, I think there's obviously um, – uh, uh, a lot more opportunities um, that that student athletes and our student athletes are ever are able to to take advantage of. But at the end of the day, um, these are also jobs, and so um, whether it's uh, you know what 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 they're doing on social media and be, building their brand or repping a brand or whatever it may be takes time, energy, creativity, and it's not something that everybody is quite frankly either going to be good at or even want to do um but for us it it fits our wheelhouse because preparing our student athletes for um uh life beyond their sport or even preparing them to be better pros athletically and beyond um is essentially is what we got to do in preparing them to take advantage of nil whether it's build their own brand whether it's how to start an llc um whether it's how you pay taxes if you're if you're an entrepreneur i mean all those things which are all part of total person uh and we've done we uh we will continue to do the difference is is that now there's an nil slant to it however at Georgia Tech, we're, we're in the business of building entrepreneurs. So whether it's a business associated with your personal brand or you've just developed the next app, widget, whatever it may be, um, it all ends up looking a lot the same in that it's all about business, um, and that's what we do. You know, I'm still waiting for a Georgia Tech student athlete to get that NIL deal with uh, the Todd Stansberry Memorial Silt Fencing uh, <laughs> yeah. Company. Like, well, you, you did when you were an undergrad here. Yeah, it's six cents a foot. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I took full advantage of that opportunity. I think the rates have probably gone a, a little uh, higher up for a social media post, even for silt fencing. All right, let's talk football. I know we can't wait to uh, christen the college football season uh, on Saturday, September 4th, with those three iconic words of Tommy Slather when Georgia Tech takes on Northern Illinois at Bobby Dodd Stadium. 7.30 is the kickoff time, and it will be kicked off with full capacity, full tailgating, Bobby Dodd Stadium is essentially open for business, right? We are open for business. Um, great buzz. In fact, uh, if um, our volleyball scrimmage last week is any indication, it was standing room only. So I think there's a lot of excitement about getting uh, athletics back up and running and being able to be in person at live events. And so really, really excited about um, – 
uh, toe meat and leather. There is no mask mandate uh, inside Bobby Dodd Stadium. However, you still recommend strongly the use of masks in indoor areas because there will be some bottlenecks and places inside Bobby Dodd where we'll be crowded, we'll be congested. So uh, your message is still don't leave those masks at home. We, we strongly encourage you to use them at certain selective areas throughout Bobby Dodd. Yeah, and I think um, we're, we're encouraging um, our student athletes, our staff, and, and those that come and visit to uh, continue to, to, to wear masks where, where um, appropriate and uh, definitely encouraging it because um, unfortunately it's, this thing hasn't completely gone away and, and, um, and so we're still uh, navigating through COVID. Um, so uh, masks are strongly encouraged in indoor areas and um, uh, encouraged uh, in outdoor areas um, where, where there is congestion. We've gotten some questions about whether masks are permitted in outdoor areas if people wish to wear them. Most they definitely. Yeah. Yes. You, people should feel comfortable um, wearing a mask where they feel the need. Mm-hmm. So the, the overarching message is be respectful. Take care of yourself. Take yeah. care of your neighbor, and you know, basically, uh, let's come and let you know. The great thing about athletics is it brings people together. So, looking forward to everybody being, you know, coming together to cheer on the jackets. And the thing that that kind of goes overlooked is that because capacity was so greatly reduced last fall. You guys are ready to roll out all of these upgrades and new features at Bobby Dodd, but so few people got to experience them in person. So for a lot of people, they'll be checking out new features, new things at Bobby Dodd Stadium that have been in place for a year plus, but which they'll see with their own eyes for the first time. The new lights, the new turf, some of the the stadium refreshes. That's going to be exciting as well. It's almost like uh, a a second debut of, uh, of the upgraded and refreshed Bobby Dodd Stadium. Yeah, sometimes you forget that, uh, you know, we check a box and we move on and we forget that a lot of the things that we did prior to last season in anticipation with new lights, uh, new turf and, and a lot of a lot of paint and, and just um, general refresh of uh, bathroom areas and those kinds of things that at 20 percent capacity, most of our people have not seen that yet. So um if you weren't here last year, uh, I think you're going to be pleasantly uh, surprised at how good the stadium looks. How, how have ticket sales been? They're good. Uh, you know, we're we're a little behind pre uh, pre COVID um, levels on the on the um, season ticket side, uh, but in single game tickets, we're we're definitely um, at pre COVID levels. So uh, we're very optimistic that as we get closer and as um, kind of uh uh you know the the excitement builds um that 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 uh we're going to get back to where we were prior to um to this whole covid um era and we can't say it enough to guarantee the best seats for all seven home games this year your best bet is to buy those season tickets September 25th versus North Carolina Mayhem at Mercedes-Benz. Very limited number of tickets are still available. And this was previously announced, but some people might not have heard about it. Uh, This year's Mayhem at Mercedes-Benz game will be in the configuration of Atlanta United matches, which means upper deck is curtained off. So uh, when we say limited, we do mean limited. You want to hop on those tickets right now. Exactly. Uh, You know, as we um, put together the Mercedes-Benz series, 
um, where where you definitely one of the the great things about Mercedes is um, you are able to change the configuration of that stadium. So uh, the configuration for North Carolina will will be um, in tune with what people would have seen or, or experienced uh, during a United game. So it's not like there's an abundance of tickets. Um, but it's going to be an incredible environment. Obviously, one of the best stadiums in the pro stadiums in the world, uh, and uh, it's going to be fun to finally um, get the Mercedes-Benz Series kicked off. Yeah, at long last, one of those other things that have, has been a case of delayed gratification. But yeah, Mer- mayhem or Mercedes-Benz on the horizon as well. Volleyball kicks off its 2021 season this weekend. Very ambitious schedule for head coach Michelle Collier in non-conference, but then again, this was a team that reached the NCAA tournament and won in the NCAA tournament last year. It'll be really fun to watch the continued ascent of uh, a volleyball inside O'Keefe Gymnasium. Yeah, I mean, they're coming off their, their first uh, NCAA tournament uh, since 2009, first win in the tournament since 2004. Uh, nine of their nine of their uh, players return from last year's team uh, have got some really really exciting um, um, uh, young people that are joining uh, the team. Twenty fourth nationally going in, and uh, yeah, she's put together quite a non conference schedule with UCLA in Oklahoma, Arkansas. Uh, she's definitely not taking it easy on herself. We're, so we're coming out of the gate. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, we're smoking, and uh, and uh, then the ACC. Uh, we're one of four teams that are preseason ranked, so yeah. the ACC uh, is also going to be a, another exciting, uh, exciting year in, in in women's volleyball. Yeah, preseason number twenty four cross country opens the season next Friday. At Kennesaw State coming off its best NCAA finish in school history on the women's side of twentieth. Nicole Thegans, who was twelfth at last year's NCAA championships, she returns to run another year. And like we said, football seven thirty. This uh, upcoming Saturday on ACC Network. Todd, I know there was a lot of excitement for that appearance, fleeting though it was, uh, for ACC Network on Comcast Xfinity. Uh, do you have any update uh, on what you've heard with the negotiations between ESPN and Comcast? I don't have an update. I just know that there's obviously a, a, a lot of conversation and negotiation going on, and, and hopefully that, that fleeting appearance, there, there might be something to that. Wet but the appetite, so to speak. Yeah, yeah but I, uh, obviously we're really, really optimistic, um, you know, because the ACC network being, you know, one of the real uh, uh, values of being part of the ESPN uh, brand and then that also makes us part of the Disney family um, so Comcast and and Disney basically um, negotiating this thing and so we're we're um, we're uh, optimistic that uh, prior to uh, kickoff um, that will uh, expand our distribution on the ACC. Network. All right, stay tuned, as they say. And uh, we all know about that schedule. It's been regarded as one of the toughest in the nation, but with a team that returns 20 starters, a lot of familiar faces, uh, should be an exciting fall. All right, let's finish up with uh, the news that's been at the forefront of college sports, at least until we, we get to play some football games for real. And that was the announcement that the ACC, the Pac-12, and the Big Ten have entered into an alliance. It's a scheduling alliance. It, it, it encompasses so many other things. 
it was a bit broad in scope, and I know Georgia Tech fans want to get, Todd, your thoughts on the alliance and what value it might bring to Georgia Tech. Well, I just think uh, you've got 41 like-minded programs, schools, shared values um, that uh, bring a certain level of stability to a uh, uh, a very quickly evolving intercollegiate athletic landscape and the idea of of the three conferences, us, the Big Ten and the Pac-12, as you look at, you know, the evolution of legislation and governance, but also where are the opportunities in scheduling and, and how do we bring more value to all of our brands and the fact that this is uh, now an alliance that goes coast to coast, um, I think it does present a lot of um a lot of opportunity and and so what you have now is that you know the announcement is kind of like the bit uh, the, uh, the beginning of the evolution because mm-hmm. um, i think that was one of the the criticisms of that press conference with the three commissioners was that it was very light on details yeah and i think that you know quite frankly you couldn't have this thing fully baked without people know you're baking it. So it's kind of like, hey, we're getting uh, the three conferences are going to align and um, and really work, um, you know, uh, and collaborate on where we see the future of, of intercollegiate athletics going. I think that, um, you know, you've got now a committee of uh, w- with each conference has four athletic directors part of the committee that will now start to iron out the details. You know, on the scheduling thing, um, you know, a lot of that will evolve over time because we have schedules in place for um, multiple years in advance. And uh, some programs are, are, are have more flexibility in their schedule than others. And so, of course, all of those things um, will, will have to be taken into account uh, and, and affect how quickly uh, some of those um, matchups will actually be able to come to fruition. There could be a trip for you to Corvallis in the future again. There could be. Yeah. Um, but I think the other thing, uh, I know right away you think, um, does that mean that uh, the you know ACC is going to be on the West Coast? And, and yeah. are, we, are they going to be here? But, you know, with all these um, uh, new, neutral site games, tournaments, you know, if you're talking about the two basketballs, um, it really opens up the whole country to, you know, we may be playing Oregon State at some point, but it may not be in Corvallis, or it may not be in Atlanta. It may be in Chicago as part of some, um, you know, larger uh, jamboree of some kind. Um, but anyways, I think that's the exciting part about this is when you look at the schools, the brands, and the national reach, it really does open up all kinds of opportunities. With some of the news articles stating that with the scheduling alliance, they want to have two non-conference matchups a year in football that pit ACC schools versus a school from the Pac-12 and a school from the Big Ten. The question naturally turned for Georgia Tech fans, what may that mean for the future of Georgia Tech, Georgia in football? Yeah. Georgia Tech, Georgia. We will be playing Georgia every year. Um, it's it, obviously that those in-state rivalries for us, Florida State, Louisville, and Clemson are incredibly important. So um, they're important to the state. They're important to our two uh, flagship institutions in these states. 
Um, so those games will continue to be played as they have for the last century or so. How early did you know that these discussions were going on about a potential alliance? Um, a lot. I mean, we knew that there were uh, conversations going on, but as far as uh, you know, what those may be, what fruit they may bear, um, we really. Uh, you know, left that up to our commissioner, mm-hmm. Jim Phillips, who is an incredible leader. And, and comes from the Big Ten as well. And comes from the Big Ten. And so, obviously, has a lot of really good relationships. And, and knowing that a lot of this stuff, um, uh, we, we needed to take place between the commissioners and, and then go from there. So, we were, we were told or, or brought up to speed on that conversations were going on. But um, we have so much faith in Jim Phillips that we basically, as a as a uh, collective group of athletics directors, just said, "Jim, you go and 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 you have those conversations, and and we trust that that you're gonna that you're you're gonna show us the way, and um, that you have the best interests of the ACC in mind as as we look at what our options may be." Well, the near future, uh, it's always coming quick, and you never know what to expect. And if that has never been more apparent than the last year plus in college athletics, Todd, we always appreciate the conversation. Very enlightening. And uh, first things first, can't wait to see you at uh, Bobby Dodd on Saturday, September 4th for Northern Illinois. Another season. No kidding. It's really, really exciting to get back to playing and uh – and, and can't wait for that uh, that opening kickoff. Northern Illinois from DeKalb, Illinois. I think we will settle once and for all in that matchup the proper way to pronounce DeKalb. I'm sure that'll be a hot topic. I'm sure it'll be one of many subplots. I'm not saying it's a big subplot. Uh, as always, like, listen, subscribe. Can't wait to do this again soon. Any questions for a future edition of the Toddcast, reach out to me at Andy Dementia. Reach out to Todd at GT Todd Stansbury. We will talk to you next time. Todd, as always, a pleasure. Thank you. All right, he's Todd Stansberry. I'm Andy DeMatcher. Thanks for listening to the Toddcast, everyone. The Todd Stansberry Podcast is a presentation of RamblinWreck.com. Go Jackets!